I think teachers are pretty worn out after COVID. It was very bad on staff morale. The narrative in the media was that schools were safe. Now it was so plainly obvious that schools weren't safe places. It was just windows open. So our schools were absolutely frozen, frozen, as you can imagine in Ireland in winter. Children in masks, all the students had to be separated in their desks as well. We didn't get support from the public. We didn't get support from the department. A lot of members of the public were like, well, the nurses are doing it, why can't you do it? You know, so I think that, it, that definitely affected how teachers felt and still feel. They feel a bit let down. And welcome back to season three of Let's Listen with Kieran McBreen. My name's Andrew Ward, and I'm here on this bright and sunny afternoon with Kieran. Hi, Kieran. How are you? I'm great, Andrew. Thank you. So back with season three, and back with a big guest, Jen Horgan, who's talking about specifically the Irish education system, but the the mental health of teachers operating in that system. Yeah, um, I heard Jen on the radio a couple of weeks ago and I could sense her frustrations with the system and how teachers were being treated. And I just said it'd be wonderful to get her on the show to, to tell us more about this and, um, and to talk about how difficult life is as a teacher in Ireland, but also for the students and how, how the system may not suit all learning styles and needs. And if you like what you hear, you can get Jen's book, which is Oh Captain, My Captain, One Teacher's Call for Change in the Irish Education System, which is available right now on Amazon. And we can put that link into the show notes. But right now, this is Jen Horgan. Jen Horgan, thanks so much for coming on to the Let's Listen podcast today. How are you? I'm good. Thank you. And thanks for having me on. Pleasure. Jen, tell us a bit about your background. Uh, well, I'm a teacher. I qualified as a teacher in 2006. Um, and I went straight to London from, from Cork in Ireland and taught in Newham in London in a Catholic comprehensive boys school, um, big school. Taught there for six years. And then when after I'd had my second child, my husband is a teacher as well. So we were kind of struggling financially, to be honest, as, as two teachers. So we had to get out of London and our our hope was to return to Ireland, but we wanted to buy a house. So um, we were kind of driven by financial need to Abu Dhabi, went out there to, to save for our deposit. So we ended up staying there for six years, came back then in 2018. I got a foot in the door in an Educate Together secondary school in Cork. I've been there since. Um, my husband took a lot longer because he trained in London. Um, so he didn't have things like the, I suppose, the Irish language cert. Also, 90% of schools are Catholic. So you have to have um, a qualification in that as well. You have to do a certain number of essays and in, in Catholicism. So he he didn't have that and he wasn't keen to do it because he's he's not Catholic so that took it just took him longer to kind of find a place but eventually now he's found a place in another in an educate together primary school so we've settled back into Ireland we're an educate together family and yeah it's all good but I've, I suppose I've had very varied experiences in very different settings and that's kind of caused me to reflect a lot on what I think works and what doesn't thanks Jen 
Jenna, I heard you on the radio a couple of weeks ago and I said I need to get in touch with this lady because our views are very, very similar. We've both worked in London, we've both worked in the UAE. Jen, you're vocal on your views in education. Can you tell our listeners what, what are your views? Yeah, I suppose there's a lot going on and I'm conscious um, that a, a lot of what I speak about now is, is very much in the Irish context. I don't know what it's been like for you, Kieran, but I, I suppose when you're working in a different country, I didn't feel as that it was as appropriate, I suppose, or something for me to kind of comment on the on the bigger system because it, it still wasn't my I suppose I always knew I was coming back to Ireland. So I just kind of I went to learn and I went to experience and I went to pick stuff up. And then when I came home, I felt like, okay, well, now's my time to be opinionated and vocal. And I suppose also having children in the system affects that. But my views in education are, I suppose I would be very much for a student-centered system. I have a lot of interest in trauma-informed education. I'm very, very conscious of individuals as individual learners, and that when somebody comes into my classroom, they have a story, and it's kind of my job to find out their story in, 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 in however they may want me to, you know, within respectful boundaries. But I have an issue, I suppose, with a one-size-fits-all approach to education. I have an issue with uh, an overemphasis on assessment and on university, particularly. In Ireland, we're, we're making improvements in terms of opening up the opportunities after school and making sure that not every student sees university as the only goal of education. I think we've had an issue because we, we've always been very proud of our education system because Irish people have, they have a reputation for being well-educated, for traveling and, and bringing that education with them to other countries. Irish people are, are reluctant then to, to hear too much criticism of the system. But the, the flip side of that has been that our vision of education is very academic and it's very much about getting the child to third level to a degree that, of course, doesn't suit every child. And, and the child who, who won't flourish in that setting, I think, is made to feel lesser in our system. And that is upsetting, I think. For, 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 you know, personally, I find it upsetting to see that happening, but it's also damaging to our society because we need people with different interests, different strengths. Um, so I suppose that's something I'm interested in, that every child will find their place in our system. I have an issue with the idea of choice in education. You know, we have this kind of sense here that, well, you know, it's a parent's right to choose the type of school that their child can go to. So it's the parent's right to choose a private school, or it's their right to choose a Catholic school. But if choice isn't universal, it's a privilege. A lot of people don't have those choices. So for me, the ideal setup is that you have an excellent state system that offers opportunity and support to every student. I, I studied philosophy in, in college and I was very interested in John Rawls and his idea was that the veil of ignorance, basically. So imagine you're back in the womb and you don't know where you're going to end up. And imagine you were going to make every decision about society from that position. How different would your political views be? Um, and I think that's probably the position I try to put myself in. So not knowing where my child is going to end up in school, what kind of a school would I like every school to be? That's ultimately kind of my, my underpinning philosophy that I understand. I went to a private school myself. You know, Kiran, that a private school in Ireland isn't the same as a private school in, in, in England, but it was still a place of privilege. I understand the mentality that, well, look, we're doing a great thing. It's a great school. Our kids are getting a great start. You know, why wouldn't I send my child to a private school? But what you're forgetting there is you're not 
really giving any thought to the child that isn't in that school and to the child that you're not, you know what I mean? So um, we all want the best for our kids. But I suppose I think that as a society, we should be looking for the best for every kid. Fantastic, Jen. Thank you. And I mean, I completely echo everything you're saying there. You know, I, I hated secondary school. You know, I left w- with 155 points in my leaving cert. Um, there wasn't much for me, wasn't m- many opportunities. And, and thankfully, I went to a, a PLC course in, in Calvin Institute. And within months, I was flourishing. I was learning. I was reading. For me, I had to, I had to have an interest to, to be able to apply these skills, you know, and, and school for me was just boring. Now, t- I have to take ownership. I didn't work hard enough. I didn't do my homework, but I just didn't have the interest. And, and I'm now a teacher, which is crazy because, as I said, I hated school. And I used to look at my teachers and think, wow, you could do so much. Why would you want to be a teacher? You know, and my passion for being a teacher is, is, is to make education fun. And to make sure that that young lad or that girl sitting in the back looking out the window is engaged, is involved and has a chance. Now, I've been out of the Irish education system since 2001. There must be some progress. What, what's, is there, what, what good is happening in the Irish education system? OK, well, there's a move towards the divestment of schools. It's extremely slow. There's a target that we won't meet. But some schools have moved to a multi-denominational status. So as I was saying earlier, we still have 90% of primary schools are Catholic, 50% of secondary schools are Catholic. The issues with that, I suppose, are fairly straightforward in that we have a much more diverse population now. So, you know, there are plenty of children in those classrooms who aren't Catholic. We have a low, we still have a low, uh, low funding in education. So we've got the lowest funding in the OECD. So if a child, let's say, like what actually happened to my son when we returned from the Middle East, he was in a classroom in communion year. And for an hour every day, he was just left sitting at the back of the classroom. He was given something to colour in, you know, and when, when, the, when the class go to mass, he was given a Bible at the back of the church. Um, and now we actually said to him, look, we don't need you don't need to stand out. Why don't you? You know, we were kind of almost saying, why don't you just go along with it? But he was actually very he was very clear that he didn't want to go along with it. He he hadn't been brought up with religion. He didn't understand it. He didn't he didn't actually kind of like it. He found it a little bit unnerving. So yeah, he had a really tough year and he actually we we moved him out of the school. Now I didn't blame the school because like I say, the schools are stretched in terms of resources. So there was actually nowhere for him to go during that hour. There wasn't another teacher available. There wasn't another room. I had sympathy with the school but less sympathy with the system. So I think a big part of it is that we we move towards multi-denominational schools. Uh, my school is multi-denominational. That's why I say we're an educate together family. So ethos is just about inclusivity, equality, respect. So that's kind of where I would like Ireland to go. And we're starting to go there. In Cork now in my city, there's, I think, six educate together primaries. We're the only secondary school, but there's an interest. Definitely. We're oversubscribed. People are wanting something different. In terms of other improvements, we've had reforms to the junior cycle, which is the earlier years in secondary. The curriculum is lovely. I, I enjoy it. It's, 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 it's definitely improved. So there's a real kind of acknowledgement of 21st century skills and the kind of move away from rote learning and all that kind of stuff. So all good stuff. Um, but the assessment is still awful and is completely mismatched to the curriculum. So that's a big problem. We also have an issue in that the senior cycle is as it always was. So wh- whilst you have children going through 
quite a, a nice three-year cycle. They're then going into a sort of a cliff edge of a very academic, very high stress kind of context for the senior cycle years. So we've a lot of work to do in terms of curriculum reform. We don't have the best atmosphere in terms of, I think, union, general public, teacher union, general public, that, that atmosphere isn't necessarily always positive. I have found a very anti-teacher attitude in Ireland since returning, which I didn't experience to the same extent in London or in Abu Dhabi. Now, I don't know, did I have my blinkers on and maybe I wasn't as sensitive, but certainly in Abu Dhabi, I felt very respected as a professional. I felt there was kind of a feeling that families put their trust in you because they were away from home and they kind of, they saw the school very much as a community. And I, I felt very much part of that community. But yeah, I think there's a lot of work to be done in terms of how teach, how people perceive and talk about teachers in Ireland. Endlessly, I kind of sit into taxis or I kind of talk to someone before they know I'm a teacher and I'll get the spiel about, ah, sure, you're only in it for the holidays and you don't, you know, you're, you're barely doing a day's work. Sorry, you asked me what's going well in the education system and I've just ended up complaining but uh, I, I think like for me that the teacher in any school I suppose I, I have a bit of suspicion about the kind of corporate hierarchy of schools sometimes and it's like oh god we've forgotten that actually without the teachers nothing's going on like I think that the classroom teacher it's what everything else rests on and I think sometimes we forget that in schools and outside of schools I think I'm keen to be vocal as a teacher because I'd love to see more teachers in the media I'd love to see more teachers feeling kind of empowered and being certain in their professionalism. Teachers sit and get talked at a lot and they very rarely actually are the leaders in the conversations around education. It's often, it's the principal, it's the, the deputy principal, it's, you know, a union member, it's whatever. But like I, I, so that upsets me when I don't hear and see teachers at the very, very forefront because they're the people in the classroom, you know. Similarly, SNAs, you know, they're the people that actually in terms of the students, we'll know the students best. I'd love to see a sort of almost a flipping of who's speaking at education events. Uh, it's kind of like you have to write a book before you get asked up on the podium, you know, and I, I think that there are plenty of amazing teachers that have a lot to say. You've highlighted some fantastic topics there, and I do want to talk about the teacher's perspective in a couple of minutes. Just back to the curriculum and the, and the reform. It's great that it's developing the curriculum. You mentioned that assessment is uh, hasn't really evolved I'm very frustrated with how I was assessed at school. For me, it was a memory test and my memory is not so good. So I didn't really feel as if I had a choice or, sorry, excuse me, a chance to show my true potential. Are you saying that it's still a 100% exam? So it depends, Kiron, on the subject, but my subject is English. It is a 100% exam. Not only is it a 100% exam, but it's a 100% essays, except for a comprehension and a student can choose between like a short story or an essay or a, so you've got that, you do have that creative element, but a lot of the maybe less able students, if they're taking higher paper, they'll go for the speech or the discursive essay. So they end up actually just writing essays for five hours. I'm very passionate about my subject. And I, I feel that's an absolute disgrace that it's being reduced to essay writing. I think there's an issue in that teachers are brilliant essay writers. Like you kind of have to be to get through university. And a lot of teachers get on very well in school, which means they're good essay writers. So you've got people who are really comfortable with essay writing with that kind of academic frame and structure coming in and teaching. And they're not actually thinking, maybe I'm wrong now, but I think that sometimes there's a lack of empathy that actually, do you know what? Essays aren't for everyone. And myself and my husband joke about it a fair bit because he was like a phenomenal essay writer. He really was. 
he was always top of the class, you know, he was just, he was just brilliant at essay writing, but he left college and he was like, what, what am I going to do? You can't write essays for any job. Like he, he genuinely had a proper, like, oh my God, I'm so out of my comfort zone in any other context. And it took him, he worked in the theater for a while. It took him a while to kind of settle into, okay, I think I'm going to be a teacher. So it wasn't a help to him that he was so good at essay writing. He always says to me that like, you know, people just thought he was really bright, like really intelligent because that was the only measure of intelligence, you know, that you could write a fantastic introduction. But God, surely now we understand that intelligence is, you know, has appears in many different ways and different forms and different contexts. So yeah, I would love to see in English, for instance, I liked, I enjoyed teaching in the British system in the, in that the A-level approach I liked in that it gave students the opportunity to narrow down to the subjects they were interested in. So in Ireland, we still have six subjects to get into if we're talking about university um, and they have to do Irish, they have to do English and they have to do maths. You know, I, I, so it was so nice in the English system or when I was in Abu Dhabi to have a small class of like eight people who are passionate about literature and to teach them literature. And that was such a rewarding experience where in Ireland, I have a class of 25 to 30. I could have. No, I don't this year. I have a smaller group. And it's I don't see it as a flaw that people aren't as passionate about literature as I am. I mean, the world would be very boring if we all were. So there's that, you know, that students are having to study it when they have zero interest. And then there's the fact on top of that, that they're having to just prove themselves through essay writing. One of those has to give, if you're going to, if you're going to actually force students to, to do the subject, to, to go on to third level, then at least give them a diverse range of assessments. So I'd love to see like some oral assessment in there. I have plenty of students who would absolutely shine in a, in, in this kind of a context, let's say, if, if there was a kind of an interview or if there was a presentation element or, and I'd love to see more like continuous assessment like you have there. I know that comes with its problems. I write myself like creatively and I understand the importance of drafting. And so I think to not give them that opportunity to draft their work and to kind of come to a point where they're like, okay, this is actually finally finished and I'm happy to submit it. To not give them that opportunity is really removing them, I think, from, from what the creative act is, which is generally an act of collaboration and drafting and sort of, I'd love that to happen. Teachers in Ireland are hugely reluctant to allow that to happen. That's another issue. Like, I'm not always on the same side as, as the teaching community here. I've yet to find anyone that actually agrees with me on this. On online platforms, there could be many teachers out there who do, but other teachers in terms of the vocal teachers in Ireland quite like that it's a 100% exam and they don't want to see it changed. I find that quite hard to understand, but their feeling is that our Leaving Cert is at least trustworthy. There's no issue in terms of relationships. So Irish teachers here would see, they always say that the role of the teacher is ally, not assessor. So they can't see how you could actually assess a student and be on their side. Whereas for me, assessment is a part of teaching. As long as I can stand by my mark, I don't see how that would impact the relationship. I can I can explain very clearly why I've given the, the student the mark and kind of work with them and draft with them and support them. And, and, and I, I in, in the past, in Abu Dhabi, I didn't have an issue with that, but there's a huge reluctance for any kind of change from Irish teachers and from the unions. And I'm assuming, Jenny, that comes from your experience abroad, working abroad in London and the UAE, where you've been exposed to lots of other, other formative and summative assessment um, methods and stuff like that. Just sticking on the teacher, how are teachers feeling? I think teachers are pretty worn out after COVID. It was very bad on staff morale. 
the narrative in the media was that schools were safe. That's what the Department of Education kept on saying in the media. Now, it was so plainly obvious that schools weren't safe places in that we had huge numbers of, of students coming into small settings for long periods of time. That's the difference, I think, between a classroom and a shop, let's say, or a hotel lobby. Do you know what I mean? You, you're sitting there for, for a long time and actually our school to kind of try and keep COVID as controlled as we could, students were kept in the same room all day. That meant they were circulating less, of course, which was good, but it was hard for them. They were sitting in the same in the same classroom. We also didn't have any kind of air filters or so it was just windows open. So our schools were absolutely frozen, frozen, as you can imagine in Ireland in winter. In my situation, we don't really we don't have a school building. So we're in temporary accommodation. We're in the sort of side of a third level building that was once a hospice. It's a very old building. So you're talking about a pretty miserable setting there for quite a while. Windows open, old building, children in masks, which I'm, you had the same there, I know. Um, it took from the relationship element a lot, I think. I think there was all the students had to be separated in their desks as well. The relationships, I think, are what keep the classroom going, you know, and it's, it's, it's what keeps us all, all kind of, um, it keeps the mood up the chat and the banter and the kind of just the, the relaxed atmosphere of a classroom and COVID absolutely just axed right through that. And we didn't get support from, we didn't get support from the public. We didn't get support from the department. When teachers expressed their reluctance to go back to school, when numbers were extremely high, it's hard to remember now, but I think it was after Christmas maybe, and the numbers were really high and we were, you know, there was talk that we were going back to school. A lot of members of the public were like, well, the nurses are doing it. Why can't you do it? You know, so, and there was, again, the sort of gratitude to nurses, but we didn't hear any gratitude to teachers, you know, uh, and that, I think that it, that definitely affected how teachers felt and still feel. They feel a bit let down. And it sounds that the... the, the when you mentioned about the taxi situation and, and not, not getting support during COVID, the status, the stereotype of, of a teacher is not positive. For, uh, for somebody f finishing their leaving cert, is, is being a teacher something that students these days want to, want to take on as a profession, would you say? It's hard to say, but I know we're having huge issues with recruitment, retention. There's talk now, particularly in Dublin, because teachers can't afford to live there. You know, I, I presume, Carol, like just like the houses, Prices of, of uh, houses in Ireland are, are very high. Uh, we have a shortage of housing. We have a, a homelessness crisis here. So there's an issue there in that teachers are struggling to, to survive in, in Dublin. Generally, there's an issue in that, again, because we're not funded as well as we should be, schools don't have hours to give new teachers. So after two years of training, which is expensive, student teachers aren't coming out and going into jobs. They're not being offered jobs. They're being offered 10 hours maybe. 11 hour contracts and sure they can't they can't survive on that so there's talk now of schools in Dublin having to send children home just because we just don't have the teachers in situ they're just not there we also have the issue with teachers emigrating of course because they have the option of teaching where they're going to get paid better they're going to have as I did in Abu Dhabi free accommodation loads of, of benefits health insurance all that stuff which they which they of course wouldn't get here it's a brain drain we're losing our teachers we're losing our nurses we're losing our doctors Ireland's very good at talking about I suppose bringing in investment bringing in tech bringing in business people we recognize that as good for the economy we fail to recognize, I think, the, the necessity of the front line. And actually, if your front line goes, 
you've got very little left to work with. So I, I'd be extremely critical, I suppose, of, of how teachers are treated, even in terms, just in a, in a fiscal sense, sense, you know, in terms of being offered appropriate contracts, considering their training and their expertise. I worry about it, to be honest. I worry about the fact that schools are having to use subs that aren't necessarily experts in their subject, you know, so they're, they're kind of coming in just babysitting. Our people are, are being asked to teach subjects that they've no training in, particularly in junior cycle. I know that the Irish language, for instance, is getting a hit because they just don't have the Irish language teachers. So there's concerns that the standard of, 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 of the teaching is dropping. Um, in my opinion, a lot needs to be done really in terms of further investment so that schools have more hours to offer um, and students have actual experts at the top of the classroom. Thanks, Janet. And Monday morning is going to come around very quickly and you have to go into your, your, your job. Um, what keeps you going? What strategies do you put in place to, 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 to keep you going every day, to keep you wanting to, to come into that uh, profession that clearly has got a big dull cloud hanging over it? The students, that's always it, like a strategy. I don't know. It's just I think about the people I teach and I like them. I like being around them. I have fun with them. Young people generally provide for me anyway. I can just kind of switch off all the bad stuff. I can switch off the, the, the broader context. It's an amazing age full of humor and potential and individuality. And I love that. I love being around it. And I think I actually, I get so much energy from them. And I think that I'd really struggle without it, to be honest. I think, and I don't mean that I'm kind of like a, a vampire sucking their energy. It's not that. It's just, I just love being around that uh, hopefulness as well. Yeah, I feel really privileged. And that's what keeps me going. That's what keeps me going into school. It's kind of, I couldn't. If I thought about this stuff in the classroom or on a daily basis, of course, I'd be I'd be pretty mopey. But I don't think about it when I'm in there. When I'm in there, I'm just teaching and I'm doing the kind of the basic thing of reading a poem or, you know, whatever it is that we're doing. I'm just in that zone. I'm very much kind of that's where I am. And I would be very reluctant also to kind of talk about this stuff with them because they don't need it. You know what I mean? They're just getting through their patch of their life. Um and it's it's not for them really to to engage with me on that kind of stuff. And Jen, before we go, for any young teacher out there listening, what advice would you give them based on your own experience? My advice would be to listen and learn for the first while. You know that it's a very I think it's a complicated profession and there's a lot of learning involved. And that it's because you're you're dealing with people, you're dealing with humans and you know, humans are difficult and they're uh, they're problematic. And, and you're also dealing with a lot of different types of people. I think in a, in a school, you've got your management, you've got your, you know, your learning assistants, you've got your other teachers, you've got your students, you've got, you know, there's so many sort of, there's such a range of people that you have to learn from. And I think there's no fast track. I think it absolutely is about time and you will find your voice and your way of doing things over time. But I think also listen with your gut so people will tell you to do things a certain way like for instance I remember being told I had to I shouldn't smile that was one piece of advice I got when I was in teacher training don't smile before Christmas because you know you don't want to show your weakness and I went with that and it took me years to figure out that that is absolutely not the teacher I am like I have to connect with students on a human level to feel comfortable myself in the classroom and other things like you know you have to put the learning intention up on the board all these initiatives like I've no time for them it's just I just I just shut it all out and I and I resent people 
telling me that they know how to teach in one specific narrow way because if we all knew perfect way to teach the whole world would be doing it it depends on so many different factors that you just have to be true to yourself as long as you have the students interests I think at the heart of what you do you won't be going too far wrong trust your gut and be a bit of a rebel be a rebel voice in your classroom in your school and beyond that because that's who you want you want those students to leave your classroom the people who aren't afraid to say actually I don't agree with this or I think we could do this better so yeah, don't don't be afraid to stand out in the crowd. Fantastic. And um and like yourself and myself, Jen, possibly get out there and travel a bit and, and see different curriculums and different methods and models and and see what works for you and find find out who you are as a teacher yeah. and, and let that passion shine through. Jen, it's been a pleasure talking to you today. Thank you so much for your time. Thanks, Kieran. I really enjoyed it. Thanks for having me. And and best luck in Cork. And uh, I'm with the Irish education system. I'm sure your voice is, you know, ruffling some feathers, but definitely to move things in the right direction. So thank you so much. Thanks, Kieran. So that was Jen, Kieran, a, a really an interesting interview for the first one back for season three, where, you know, talking about the education and the, the mental health impact that that has both on the teachers and the pupils when we're striving in a system that's so exam focused. Absolutely, Andrew. And look at the stress and strain put upon students is phenomenal. The expectations from teachers, the expectations from parents, you know, the extra work outside of school. But, but let's focus on the teacher for a minute. You know, it's, as Jen mentioned, you know, there's a, there's a, there's a, a status associated with being a teacher and, you know, it didn't sound too positive. Teaching is very difficult. Mm. It's very difficult. The stress is put upon teachers from above is very demanding. Um, obviously, Jen spoke about the Irish education system. I can't comment on that. I've never worked in the system, but it sounds as if it's a uh, sounds as if to, you know there's lots of pressure associated with it. I know out here, you know, it's um, or lost so much feedback. The expectations to give feedback, you know, to provide feedback on feedback. To, to loads of formative assessments and, and just lots of pressure from, from parents coming in, obviously in a privatised system here. But um, look, at it, it's, I, I know you joke about it and, and many people do, but the, the holidays teachers get, but it, it really is needed because um, it's an extremely demanding profession. I wouldn't have your job for the world. But anyway, um, Jen is uh, amazingly articulate. And as we said at the top, her book, Captain, uh, Oh, Captain, My Captain, One Teacher's Call for Change in the Irish Education System is available right now on Amazon. Uh, and your book, Kieran? Yeah, going well, Andrew, going well. Um, trying to get it into as many schools as I can. So um, anybody out there who has any education connections, please get in touch and we'll get a book to you. It is fabulous to be back for season three and we will see you next time. See you later, Kieran. All the best, Andrew. Thanks so much. Mm.